Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Brian's turning into podcast dad, like we're going on a car trip. He's like, all right, before we go, anybody got to go? You better go now. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Sometimes, Are we there yet? Sometimes people got to be – we don't want a repeat of that episode from a month and a oh, half like where, ago. What, where everybody dropped their headset and went – Yeah, where, where both I and our guest just ran to the bathroom in the middle of the show because we had to go so bad. We don't want to repeat that. That's, that's when you know it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> Pull out that wrap it up box from the Chappelle show. Um, yep. <laughs> also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. Sup. <laughs> and your co-host, Spaz. Hello. So hello, everyone, and welcome to another topic show. Tonight's topic, uh, recommended by Hunter, is how the industry is doing. Kind of a higher-level, wide-ranging look at where we th- how we think things are going right now. And you know how I think things are going? How do you think, think things are going? I think there's two giant mech games dropping. Like Solaris 7 came out today. What is that? And next week we get Battletech. What is Solaris, uh, Solaris 7? 7 is the Solaris mod for MechWarrior Online. So it's like a whole other game mode. And it's one versus one and two versus two tournament match stuff in Solaris arenas. And yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty cool. It basically kind of esports oh. it. There's leaderboards oh, and so. leaderboard rolls every three months and stuff. So, so they're going to have seasons. And the best part is that they got the voice actor to come back that that did the whole uh, uh, Duncan. I can't remember his name. And the the the, the announcer from MechWarrior Four. Oh yeah, Duncan Fisher. It's oh, like yeah. this is Duncan Fisher, and welcome <laughs> to Solaris. Oh, wow. Greetings, mech fans. Yeah, the guy's great, right? And they were doing a live stream the other day, previewing it, and he came on the live stream and was kind of doing his shtick. <laughs> it was great. So now, I posted a thing in one of the in one of the chat rooms. Uh, I think it was the mech, the BattleTech mech chat room mm-hmm. that we've got, um, where he reads. Uh, it's Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, <laughs> but it's the the Raven Three L. <laughs> and, and they, you know, it's a it's a mech warrior poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it's 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 starting to become. Let's just let's just talk on that for a moment. It's not a bad year to be a, a mecha fan because, like, the pickings have been real lean these last several years. It was kind of like space gaming for a while. You know, we had um, Strike Suit Zero and War Tech Fighters. And Project Nimbus, and yep. a bunch of littler crap that no one cares about. But this year we're getting. As soon as I know the word, as soon as I say the word, I know Spaz is going to get all excited. BattleTech in a week, right? Is that a week from, is that a week from today? It is a week from today. As are you this, yes. are you going to be here next week? <laughs> are you gonna be I will be here next week, but I will be spending pretty much all my gaming time with it. Yeah, it is. I'm. I've already called it. It is my game of the year. We are. We are pretty excited about that around here. I, think. I really wish that the people who were backers had gotten it a little bit early because it's it it grates me right that I I turn on Twitch and there's a bunch of people that are playing BattleTech and it's like hey wait a minute I backed that shit 
Um, well, you have the backer beta, don't you? Isn't that no, no, the, the backer that beta? Wrong. Actually, was closed in January. No, in order it's... for the dev team to focus on getting the game ready for release. No, yeah, so neck dry for since January. Oh, so yeah, there have just... been a few people who have access to stream, and and uh, one of them. Uh, side stream had been doing so much streaming. He did a hundred hours of game time and they actually asked him to stop. Like, and there's a, the reason why now, no, truthfully, the reason why that happened was because there was a, a story mission that is embargoed and no one who had access could go beyond that. They could still keep playing the procedural generated missions, but they could not, accept that story mission because the moment you accept it, something happens. That's very spoilerific. And so they specifically embargoed to that point. So he kept on playing. Uh-huh. But the problem is that the the difficulty of the game is actually tied into the story missions. So he was encountering content he normally should not have been able to encounter at that point in the game. Uh-oh. What does it skip over that mission? Like it was embargoed, so it wouldn't do it, or no? It, the the embargo is once you see that mission in your mission list, do not accept it. But you can keep on continuing to take contracts. Is yeah, but the contracts get harder than they should be at that point, or what do you mean? No, the the contracts actually scale up. the 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 universe scales up as you beat the story missions, and so you're supposed to to get, for example, uh. By the time you you hit that mission, you should not be seeing heavy or assault mechs. They don't actually show up until later. Uh, a few heavies might show up in between, but mm. but you don't see them with regularity in the procedural missions until well after that point. Right. Well, if you keep on going without actually taking on the story mission, it throws off the game balance. And so they politely asked him to stop, and he agreed to stop streaming because it's not helping showcase the game. Yeah. But could somebody, could somebody break the game that way though? Like you just refuse to take that mission or you keep doing like the random generated missions and not doing the story missions and then it's going to scale out. That's a good question. Uh, From what I understand, you can in theory just keep on playing the game forever because of the procedural missions. Right. But But if you go back, how much is going to be broken because of that. Yeah, because like if you go back to do a story mission, does it also scale up the story mission to the point where it becomes redonkulous? Like it, you know. uh, no the the story missions, as I understand it, are uh, they're handcrafted, oh, okay, and so they they are static in in what you fight are, as far are, as are I understand. But there are side missions, right? There are side random side missions. Yeah, all of uh, so basically Ooh. you have contracts that are you can take on and and uh it generates a map or the well the map is actually static too uh but it it take it chooses the biome to put it in and then based on the difficulty of the mission it will generate what what mechs or vehicles or both will show up within that mission so it calls from a couple of different lists to to put together a mission Oh. The maps are always static. Right. That, that I should clarify because I mean I've I've watched the dev streams. I've watched a hell of a lot of people streaming, uh, right. many more hours than I would like to admit. And yeah, the 
the way they have it is that the maps are always static, but locations can be uh, of where they show up, where they, where you land, that can change. That can be procedurally generated. According to Tiki832, hello, in uh, the YouTubes, he's saying the procedural missions scale based on your mech bay capability. Ooh. Yeah. That's and kind of you can actually have up to three mech bays with six mechs in each, but you're limited to four mechs per mission, uh, one lance. Oh, I wonder how they're going to balance that out. But I was well, also going Sorry, yeah. The balance in that is that you can only bring four mechs because the the design is is set so that you can take in just one lance and play a mission within 30 to 40 minutes, go back, repair your mechs, right. and then take on another mission. Right. Um, and then later this year, we should be getting Mech uh, Warrior 5. Which is yeah, exciting. Slated for around December, from what I am reading. Just still not holding my breath on that one. But, yeah, I know. Uh, so, did you hear still. the news that's coming out from uh, Sean Lang and huh? the No Guts No Galaxy folks? Because No Guts No Galaxy, they actually work for PGI now, the people that are making the, the MechWarrior Online, um, and the, of course, those are the guys that made all the assets for the BattleTech game that's coming out, all the Macs and stuff, um, because the harebrained guys, because they licensed it to them, they had the clause in there. It's like, you can make all this stuff, but we get to use it whenever we do our game. All right. So apparently uh, Sean has access to them too. And he's trying to put a team together because there is a loophole in the mech commander Two license that you can make a derivative work of it. That can be a whole separate game. It just can't be for profit. So he's trying to put a mod team together to actually make, a uh, not a mod, but a complete reboot of Mech Commander, and and they'll you know it'll be Mech Commander Three, whatever Whoa. they name it, nice. using the for real BattleTech assets. So that's happy. Any and, and any there is the other news there, too. Any devs out there want to pitch in? What's the other? Up. Oh, what's the other news, Spaz? The other news is uh, also related to No Guts No Galaxy. Um, Darren is working on a documentary. Because next year is the 35th year of Battletech. So his documentary is going to be 35 years of Battletech. And he's got access to the people at PGI. He's got access to the people at Airbrained. He's uh, got access to the people at Catalyst who uh, are publishing the the um, tabletop stuff. Oh. Yeah, have you and, talked to Darren? And, no, but he did announce that on uh, one of his streams last week. Okay, because I believe he moved here to North Carolina. So if so, uh, he's potentially right down the street. I could go past him. Is North Carolina one big street? Yeah. Well, okay. So if you take the 440 loop. You can look out my window and see Jim's house. (laughs) You take the the 540 loop and you get off at Cary, and that's where Sean lives. So I would assume that the other guy lives close to him since they work together. Right. Well, but yes, I, I think of it as one big long street. So, Hunter, when you came up with this topic, you wrote down a few questions. And, uh, folks, we have a Trello. If you haven't used Trello to do your to dos, it's the best. Hello. It's wonderful. But, um, <laughs> 
Wow, you, wrote, you sound like the guy from the center square on Hollywood Squares for a second there. That's exactly <laughs> That's exactly uh, the guy from... Charles Too, Nelson Riley. Oh, no, I was thinking the guy from Too Close to Comfort. Um, Jim something. What was his name? Anyway, I'll figure it out. Um, yeah, so... Um, but you had some... Recap. What I wrote in Trello. Mm-hmm. See, we we have entered into a, a great and yet troubling time in just video game industry in general, right? Preach it, brother. Preach it. So never before have we seen so much generation of content and gaming, and it's glorious and beautiful and troubling all at the same time. Um my my biggest concern and it's been a concern for a while i think i think we've all seen this kind of coming for a while and i think for me it's it's almost coming to a head to where i most times don't even want to look at my computer anymore there is no division of i guess what you would call like your mainstream versus your like interesting indie kind of sectors that you would find like let's say in like the film industry right you know if you want to find like the indie films and like the really super weird just out there kind of stuff or different or whatever it is you've really got to do a lot of digging to find it and then you can usually find a lot of really interesting stuff out there right but as it turns out everybody and their mom now is developing some kind of television show on some kind of platform somewhere you know, from Netflix doing original content to, you know, all of these people putting out their own streaming services. There's so many streaming streaming services now. It's like the gaming industry. I don't know what to freaking do with my hands. Like, what do I do? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Right. Well, it's, it's like in gaming, right? So everybody's like, well, we don't want to pay Steam 30%, so we'll start our own store. So now you have Origin, and then you have, you know, like, it, it's almost like every game publisher is going to have their own store because Epic's got it. Uh, you know, for Fortnite, I guess that's the only game that they have anymore. Um, and then uh, Blizzard, of course, has their own store. So yeah, but Blizzard, but Blizzard's always been independent, though. So like, I can't necessarily fault them there because they've never really jumped on anyone's bandwagon. So I mean, it's kind of like inevitable to kind of see them do their own thing. I'm not saying well, it's good one way or the other. I'm just saying like I'm not surprised when it comes to them. Right, but it's and when it was Blizzard properties only, that was one thing. But now that yeah. they're the rest of well, it's not yeah, it's not necessarily that it's Blizzard properties only because they're owned by Activision. So I guess they wanted to try and and, and latch on to that. Activision was seeing where the the storm was going, so to speak, and right. they decided to go ahead and say, "Well, if we're going to bring this to the PC, then let's put it on our own." Yeah. So the service. so the telling thing is going to be when the next. Um, call of duty comes out is it going to be not on steam and if so then we know the way the wind is blowing so guys did you know there's a new store out called cry tivo i've never heard of this i've never heard of this yeah uh tiki832 who's very active in the chat tonight thank you very much is uh said apparently the developers of universe sim just pushed out their own store about a month ago and it has uh, about a dozen games on it. 
Well, okay. So it's not that I'm necessarily concerned about digital storefronts, right? Because for years we've always had like Walmart, Target, Best Buy, you know, like we've always had to go and pick up a physical copy from somewhere. It's just like, where do we prefer to get it? The problem that I have with the digital storefront though, that we're seeing is the exclusivity of you can only get this game here. You can only get this game over there. And when you start getting too many of those, I like, what do I have installed? Steam, you play GOG, Battle.net, Origin. Um, yeah, but, but the majority of it, if, if you get a game on Origin, you can only play with other people laundry. on Origin. So if you own the game on Steam and I own it on Origin that's, and that's, Brian got it on the Microsoft Store, now we're three people that can't ever... That's not necessarily true, though. The The only the only store that I know right now that is so locked into their own ecosystem is the Windows Store. That's that's the only one, and that's and that's 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 criminal. Like that that is so criminal. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm really not looking forward to upgrading later this year because, because I'll be forced to do Windows 10. I'm really not. Looking yeah, forward. Windows well, 10 not bad. Windows, but the Windows 10 thing is not but that the store, bad. And, and but Jim the store. And I can definitely Jim and I can definitely help you in that regard. But um, but the store the store is sounds terrible. Well, you never have to interact with the store. Yeah, oh, I mean, really? you should never you should never have to touch it. I mean, there's like the only times I've ever touched the store were I had a friend of mine who had an Xbox who wanted to play the Gears of War four crossplay, and so I went ahead and picked it up. And so the crossplay was fun. And and in that regard, I can kind of get behind some things that Microsoft is doing with the crossplay functionality. But when you come out with a game that is also being sold elsewhere on the same platform as the game that you're selling and you don't make that cross play with them, then then that's when I have problems. Yeah, well, and that's Microsoft's fault specifically yes. because if you look at Fortnite as our example, PlayStation and the PC and the mobile phone can play together. The Xbox plays by itself. <laughs> so, well, whatever. Or maybe they can play with PC people, but you can't. Xbox and PlayStation can't touch each other, and that's just by Microsoft design. Or maybe it's Sony doing it. I don't know. Somebody. So, anyway, Hunter, you were saying. Well, okay, so so really kind of getting back, swinging back around to a lot of this. My My serious concern, though, is... You know, GOG is poised to kind of take the reins from a lot of these companies. They're really poised to become the digital storefront king if if they can handle the load of, like, the fallout. Because I, I foresee some things happening potentially with Steam if they don't fix some stuff, like, soon. Steam's great in a, in a number of ways because there's the whole workshop support thing, and that is probably single-handedly the best thing that they've probably ever done with their platform, is that workshop. Like, having yeah. games to be able to integrate with the Steamworks functionality, that is an amazing feature. However, how many games alone in 2018, in just 2018, have dropped on Steam? Like it's 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 unobtainable, and it's like you can't even you can't even remotely get around that. Like yeah. you can't even like 
you know, it, it, there's, it's just so much. Like, there, it used to be kind of a tangible thing to where when you would see, like, an E3, you would get the list of five games coming out over here, four games over there, six games over here, and then, like, the collective ones that are, like, all coming out on the same thing. And you're like, great, this is what I know what to expect. This is what I look forward to. It's going to be awesome. You had your console wars thing. I'm not saying we should pull out the console wars thing, but I'm just saying, like, there was something that the community kind of all rallied behind. But right now I don't feel like there's really too much that the community can rally behind other than the, what is the hit thing of the week that the streamers are playing? That's getting everyone's attention that washes out everything else. That Mm. is so bad. Well, I'm just tired of the hypeness, right? I mean, the, the, that's kind of the, the, we always had an obligation as God, I'm going to use the word journalists. Right, because I guess that's what we were compared to what is now. We were, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, you have to be somewhat balanced, and you're, you know, you're a promotional vehicle, right? Because that's kind of the deal, right? Is like you're selling magazines, they're selling games. You can't sell magazines without games, and they need the magazine to help them sell the game. So we're kind of in this together, and it's a PR thing. But I still have the ability to critique. Right. Where they take these like Twitch guys. Okay. So press junket stuff, right. How, how that used to be where it would be like um, paradox has like paradox fest or whatever. And they, and they would take like a bunch of press people and fly them over to uh, wherever the hell they are, Norway or something. And, so they would they would go over there and they, you know whine you dine you you can play the games and we'll talk and you know have a conference not super exciting but you know it's out of the house right so now the the people that are like press that I talk to like the uh, Jeff Gersman over at Giant Bomb specifically was like yeah we didn't go to that we never heard a word about it I didn't even know it happened but all these streamers went. <laughs> you know, and that kind of like that says that's the tone, right? Is is just like, hey, man, we're going to get the hype dudes because we don't need the press anymore. The press is completely freaking irrelevant anymore. And that's and that draws in another issue that I have with the industry at the moment is the the type of critiquing and criticism that comes with the natural journalistic flavor of journalism is kind of almost gone because when you put it in the hands of streamers, the review kind of becomes this sucks. Oh, this game's fun. Yeah. But you only get the first 15 minutes of it sucks or it's fun. Right. Cause it, cause it's like, here's the unboxing video. Hype, hype, hype. All right. We're going to play like an hour of this. This game's awesome. Buy it. Well, that tells me that if I'm making a game, I got to front load the first two hours with the best stuff. And then after that, well, you know, Whatever we make. I don't know if you have to front load the best stuff in the first two hours. What you have to do is make a good game that engages you from the very beginning and yeah, keeps you engaged. Yeah, but I'm saying to catch well, that stream hype, right? You, because they're going to play it for about two hours on a stream, you know, here's, like here's, day one, the and then people day, are going to buy it or not. They're making a purchase decision based on that two hours that they right. see. Here's the thing, though. At the end of the day, Brian... Yeah, we're I'm getting I'm getting ready to bring into the battlefront thing. You ready for the battlefront thing? At the end of the day, okay. If there is nothing more really to your game other than trying to appeal to my uh, nostalgia, 
Nostalgia is part of it. Nostalgia is part of it. But I, I hate to use this term loosely like this. It's like it's like you're trying to appeal to my cat tendencies of like shiny object over here, shiny object over there. Look how yeah. awesome this is. This, this and that's is all awesome. surface. This is all surface shit. Okay. So let's 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 do the battlefront talk because this is a great example of just why I think people like us are so frustrated. Battlefront the original and Battlefront 2 the original did something simple, but they did it super well. Mm-hmm. Not only did they do it super well, but it was in the hands of the community that did even more with it, yeah. right? So you get all these great mods, you get all this replayability from the community, and the community takes that creation that these developers made and pour so much of their own love into it and they keep that thing alive can you imagine how those developers probably felt when battlefront 2 like kind of re-emerged and got multiplayer like like can you like think about it like that their game is still so loved that people Mm -hmm. brought it back and made multiplayer work again i'd be later i would be super proud yeah i'd be super not you know, not just in like not just in like the modding slash emulation community, but like official support standards. Like it works, right? Of course the, the, the developers probably had a hand in part of that too, but the demand was there. So I look at something like and you can even do Battlefield for Battlefront one and two, the new ones. Those things are so flashy and beautiful looking that after a while that 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 veneer wears off <laughs> and you know that that polish it, it's it, you're, you're starting to realize that this polish is just a polished turd and that brown is really a stink and it, it just it's it no longer holds on to that value and it just becomes the next first person shooter to like until the next one shows up right it's kind of like the Titanfall thing. Like Titanfall came out, people were hyped, and then they realized it wasn't that big a deal, and then they moved on to the next thing, and then and the next thing, and then the next thing. And then Titanfall 2 comes out, and that's great. It's got a great story, but multiplayer still suffers from the same problems. It's not you know as interesting because there's so much out there. You know, It's like, when's the next big thing going to come? Because everybody's playing Fortnite because I want to be like the streamers on Fortnite, ah. or I want to be like the streamers on PUBG. And so it pulls away all these other things because it's what the hype machine is after. It's like what everybody else is playing. I want to go play that. Too. So, well, so are find- you, hang on a second. So are you saying that games feel less special because there's so many of them that we just move on from one to the next so quickly that they just don't partially, have. Partially. And then that, and then that means that the developers can't continue any kind of like, why, what's the incentive to continue pushing content for a game that no one is as interested in anymore? Mm, that's like, true. why have we not seen more stuff for Titanfall too? Yeah. Well, it's like, like you know, do, like does content drive further sales. If it not, why, why put more content? It, it can. Right. Well, it, it I can, can actually weigh in on this. Okay, go since, ahead. Uh, well, uh, since you know my team made Quintet. Right. Okay. Uh, now here's here's uh, what's happened. You know, uh, in in the couple of years since we put it on Steam, uh, earlier this year, uh, Carminer programmer decided that he needed to get his uh, his master's degree in computer science. Well, actually, he decided that last year, but 
he's he's teaching. So he's he's teaching a course as part of that. And that's put our team on hiatus. So we've mentioned that on our Steam forum and what we still see and I just noticed just a couple of days ago was someone posting a, a thread stating, is this game dead? Well, it's been a few years. And even after the first launch, we had, well, let's see, uh, 30 people on uh, at a time during the day. And then the next big Steam sale hit. And then everybody got distracted by all these other games and they didn't come back. I mean, there's a lot of people who still play. They just don't play at the same time as everyone else. So it's not really fair to call the game dead because people are still playing. It's just, they're not playing at the same times anymore. And there, there's just so many other things for them to, to watch, to play. Yeah. And, and the question then becomes, well, do we go back and work on it? That hasn't been decided yet. Um, do we continue on on with our next project? Well, that's still on hiatus because Carmine's got his his master's degree to worry about, so that throws off any sort of dev time. And yeah. and and at that point, you have to ask: Well, would it be worth it to come back after a couple of years and do a content drop? Maybe. Would it draw anyone back? I don't know. Uh, personally though wouldn't that almost be up to the developer though like you guys like if that's something that you're passionate about right right that's 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 kind of the the thing i'm getting at here is it it's not it's not going to be uh viable necessarily financially for us to do that but we might do it just because we want to yeah yeah so if you're not doing it as uh, a means of sole income Right, we're, but it's just like we're making this because we want to make it. It needs to exist, and we're going right. to have fun <clears throat> with our friends, and we just want to get it into the world, right? And this is not a business plan; it doesn't need yeah. to be profitable. Yeah. So, and I think that's actually where the industry is headed for indie stuff because for a while there, it was just like, dude, I can get I can get Unreal or Unity, and I can crank out a game, and I'm going to make a ridiculous amount of money, and I can quit my day job. Uh, no, not anymore, because there's well, there's too much volume. I can there, I kind of have a relevant story that's really sad. Uh, today I found out that the uh, developers of Space Tyrant are unlikely to do much more with their game, um, because it has only made about an eighth of what it cost to make. They basically called they basically called it a financial black hole. And because of that, they're probably not going to do – I mean, they might out of love for it, but they might not be able to afford the time that it it deserves. But they finished it. Yes, they finished it. but it's just not recouping. And they want to do – they would love to do more with it. They'd love to do expansions. They'd love to do more content, but that doesn't seem feasible. And one of the reasons I think that game didn't do too well um, is is not only – saturation of gaming in general but genre specific saturation like 4x games like it it, like another game came out recently called uh dominari tournament which is another fast playing kind of 4x kind of galcon mix thing 
and uh, it's not doing well either. And uh, the interesting thing is you look at – like I look at the stats on my curator page and those games are getting far fewer clicks than games like the real-time strategy game Orkstar, which is also VR-enabled. I think that's probably because there's more VR interest. Um, so – or uh, God – Origin Space, which is an ARP, which is basically another Diablo in space, but we don't have a lot of those, right? So people are interested. But we have so many 4X games right now. Like, a disgusting amount. And... Yeah, like, like last year was a bad year. Oh my god. A 4X game, and it's still a bad year. The thing is, now we're so. getting expansions for all those 4Xs that came out last year. Like, yeah, well, it, Polaris like Sector saw, got um, one, and Stellaris got one, and Galsiv 3 just got one. And, yeah, I saw the Galsiv 3 one just dropped. And what, what, how much is that? That's like 25 it's bucks. 20 right? bucks. For, it's 20 bucks. It's 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it adds that's a harsh for an expansion. It adds a lot, though. It adds quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, but it's stuff that should kind of. It, it's it's tough to say I mean, because it's the diplomacy it adds, stuff, right? It adds diplomacy and other stuff. It adds a lot, and who knows? Maybe it's kind of weird. Like, do you put a game so, out now without everything you want, just so you can start making money? Or well, I like the way that Stellaris does this, where they patch in the things that should have been there, and then there's a little cherry on top, and that's what you pay twenty bucks for is to get mm. the pirate fleet stuff or whatever. Right. And, you know, um, I would throw them money if I could just have more variety of ship types because it's like, well, we're, you know, the mammals and we all have mammal ships and they all look the same. It's, it's like, no, man, it's a space game. We need like a thousand different kinds of ships to pick from in here or something like that's the that's the big thing that Galsiv do, did right is build your own damn ships and you can import ships from other people if you're not good at making them. Yeah, whatever, which is nice. Right? So that's is that's nice. beautiful yeah. variety. Um because my ships kind of represent me when I'm, you know, out there killing people. I want them to to look good. Um, but yeah, so I think we were talking before about the whole stream cycle. I'll I'll coin that term, right? So it's like it's hot, it's new, and the hype begins like two weeks before the game comes out because it used to be like press copies would go out, but now it's streamer preview copies and stuff but for reasons right because that's where the eyeballs are so those guys play it like hype 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 up to release and then it's released and it's hype 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 for like two weeks and then there's the next thing in the cycle that's coming so it's like it, it depends on the streamer's audience right if the audience sticks around and they're really interested in the game they'll hang with that game but if the audience is like ah hey man we're hyped for this other thing move on to that then they will so it, it's uh, – I don't think so much the streamer decides they're moving on, but the audience decides. Like their attention span for it is is waning. Um, but the thing traditionally in game sales, which has always been, has been the thing of like, okay, the first two weeks after launch is when you make 80% of your money, right? So that lines up with the stream cycle of about two weeks' worth of attention span. Yeah, and that's so, where like the day one DLC is also like a thing, and yeah, because if you want to sell like, DLC, you better drop or, it within two weeks. Yeah, and that that becomes a huge thing because how often have we noticed lately that within the first three months, 
of a AAA title coming out that you can find it somewhere at 50% off. Sometimes it's due to controversy, but sometimes it's just like you, you just hit like these random sales where shit, dude, like before, uh, I forget what game it was. It was like before it came out, it was like 60% off on Green Man. And, and I was just like, what? <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. And it, it's like hadn't even released yet. And it's like, you want to pre-order it? You want 60% off? Here you go. I think it was yeah, the, Green, the Shadows Green Man's done that. Yeah, yeah. Probably the Shadow of Mortar one. That's true. They Green Man's done some stupid deals where I'm just like, I don't even know how you guys are doing that. But regardless, I, I just really, I really, you know, I'm at a point. Where the where I'm just really looking at the industry as a whole, going like this, this can't be sustainable, and I don't think it is. And the, and I think what I think what the the nature of the industry is kind of shifted to is that streamer culture, and streamer culture is is good and bad at the same time because there's there's the like the drama around that 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 sometimes happens sometimes where you get like two streamers who beef over over stupid stuff. Yeah. And like I, I can't stand that because it's just like, look, I like the streaming aspect of things. I'm interested, but it's just like, cut, cut the YouTube crap out. Like I don't care, um, unless they actually like fight on stream. I would pay for that. <laughs> I would I would throw bits in the bucket. Like Pootie Pie comes up and like knocks somebody. Uh, <laughs> just, but no, but no, for real though. Like that that stream that stream culture is what's interesting because it's what's keeping some of these games alive and making like, this is how Fortnite is making a gazillion dollars so much so that they made a mobile version of their game. And it is like already outpacing Pokemon go like clash of clans, all of these other things. It's already outperforming all of that. You know, the game is good whenever they have to ban it in high schools. Yeah. Well, it just, it's, it's crazy. That's true. God, how scary is that? You can just play Fortnite while you're in class. But I, I, I'm just shocked that that culture has kind of taken on to that game. And that game originally wasn't an arena game. Like they, they switched quickly and turned it into one. It was a good looking game, but not a good game. And then it was like, what can we do with these assets? Oh, well, you know, let's experiment with this. And it just, it caught on because it's accessible and, and it's, it's not a not bitch as, like PUBG. As, I was about to say, it's not as jank as PUBG is. And it's and not as toxic as PUBG. Well, that's, that's debatable. Well, but yeah. no. If you if you think it's not, just stay on that airplane with your microphone on or your headset on, right? Or you're listening to voice chat, and it's like, ooh. Well, I I've muted. I usually have muted all the. Well, yeah, but, but, but that's what I'm saying, right? It's like this game's so good been, you have to mute it muting, within the first ten been, seconds. I've been muting. I've been muting in-game voice chat since like Xbox Live and like you know. Halo I want some chocolate milk. Give me that chocolate milk, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> chocolate milk kid oh, is immortalized. Jesus, wait, what happened? Anyway, the kids out there somewhere. It's, it's just it's like recordings of like kids on voice chats and games just being obnoxious. But anyway, yeah. so so that's where that's where the state of things is interesting in the industry because uh, that's why I'm actually really thankful for here us here at Space Game Junkie because. It kind of gives me a focus on like my gaming habits, and my gaming right? interests. Oh, God. Well, there, there's good and bad to that, right? Like I do love space games, but like occasionally, I like you know, I'm I, thankfully we're we've got a few people that are also into some like of the good, not space games too. So that way, I don't always have to get stuck. Right. But you know, 
Yeah, you got to have variety, so, but you also got to have focus, I think, just to, just to meander through all the crap that's coming out these days. So I, a thing about this whole uh, stream popularity pushes game popularity, mm-hmm. right? So what that tells me, and we're seeing it, right? And because PUBG was successful entirely because of streamers, 100% because of streamers. And Fortnite is successful also streamers, right? Um, you know you know what game is is actually like a close third, but it's only on the consoles, is freaking Monster Hunter. It's ridiculous, like, how popular Monster Hunter is. I mean, it's always been super huge in Japan, but it's, like, the number one console Appa- game. Apparently this, sure. apparently this new one is, is massively good, like, just oh, it's, about- it's way good. I, I was wondering about sustainability, about how long can they continue to play it. And W. Greats is like every day grinding at that game for I have, hours. And I hours. have coworkers. And he, he's not sick of it yet. I have coworkers that that's all they play. Ever since it's yeah, released, I, that's I think all they play. Finish the game; it's done. But apparently, apparently not. No, it's apparently like not. Dark Souls thing you can grind on forever. Yeah, apparently you but, can keep playing and playing and playing. Yeah. So my concern in this is uh, the industry tends to do a lot of me too. Like, oh well. Warcraft was hot. All right, so for like five years, we got nothing but RTS games. It was the flood, right? And then, well, Doom came out. Okay, then everything's a first-person shooter for like five years. So now we see games that are primarily driven by streaming, which means that it has to be a game that primarily, its its job number one is to be very good on a stream, right? So And it's simple. Yeah, so what, what I think we're going to see is a lot of things that cater to a stream presentation as the, and that's not necessarily the kind of games that we like because Gal Civ three is not like a hot stream game, right? That ain't going to hold an audience, but we love playing it or, you know, just name any game. That's let's like boring as shit to watch somebody play, but it's a real joy to play yourself. Right. Uh, I think that's going to go. And we've seen MOBA stuff, Right, and it's always you know like Dota, and then League of Legends so, figured out how to pro- how to profit off Dota, and then Valve so was like, "Hey, Dota, we're going to do that too." Yeah. So, so, so looking at Twitch, you got Fortnite, League of Legends, Hearthstone. Uh, then, unfortunately, for God's sake, unfortunately, we have got the IRL streamers. You got PUBG, Overwatch, God of War 2 somehow is up there. Probably someone doing like a thing. Well, yeah, they're doing God of War 3 or God of War 4 or 6 or whatever. It's out now. Yeah, the latest one is out. And and by the way, Hunter, uh, they got Chris Judge voicing Kratos. uh, Oh, I knew about that. Okay, wasn't sure if you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was was actually like, that's awesome. Is that the guy that does Beavis and Butthead? No, no. no. That's that's Mike Judge. Yeah. Like, Christopher uh, Judge. Go ahead. Hey, hey Titan. <laughs> Pull my Christopher, finger. Christopher Judge played Teal'c on Stargate. So big, big fans of Stargate on this side of the table. Um, I, I would much rather it be Mike Judge, though. That would be <laughs> uh, hey there, uh, Titan. It'd be like Theocracy, <laughs> the Titan edition. But anyway, do go on. Anyway. Damn it. Damn it, Kratos. Stop that. Kratos, let nice. me tell you about my propane. <laughs> nice. Those are good impressions. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like a weird, like weird thing, man. I was actually going to say, do you guys remember Overwatch? You guys remember that game? What? I, I didn't play it. Yeah. No, well, it's, played it. well, it's still big. It's, yeah, it's but no one one's biggest. talking about it. No, but, but people, it has its, it, it has its audience and it's not a growing audience. It's just a, it's a stagnant. Right. Because everything else went by and the people that it was like flypaper, the people that stuck to it, stuck to it. And that's it. But they're continuing to work the shit out of that game because they have uh, they have the plans in the works for like the Overwatch League thing that they're doing. And the only reason I heard about that was there was some salt. Uh, But they're talking about like the teams will each have their own home arena, which I guess will be like a custom map for each team. And, you know, if you play a home game, you're playing at their map. That's a pretty interesting eSport angle to take on that. Well, here's here's why a a lot of this fucking confuses me. Sorry for the F-bomb, but. So whatever happened to, like, the simplicity of, like, the arena shooter from back in the day? Got boring. did, Did it, though? Yeah. Like, like, I don't want to sit there what, and watch no, Hold on a second. Quake. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, let's talk about, like, Unreal Tournament 2004 for a second. And let me explain that. You look at, you look at Fortnite, like, that game could have been, like, an Unreal Tournament in, in essence. With the exception of, like, the building of towers as, like, defenses. Yeah, but it's cartoony, it's floaty, it's got weird weapons. Yeah. yeah, but you could make Unreal Tournament cartoony and floaty with weird weapons. Well, I'm saying like, they both this is the are. This is, the, this is like the weird, like, I'm not saying bring back Unreal Tournament, but like, the, I guess the thing I'm saying is, is what's crazy about all this stuff is it, and this is where I'm really starting to boil down to on like the state of the industry. There's, there's nothing interesting. There's nothing that just like really gets me. I think, I think uh, a, a close one is the Tom Clancy uh, wildlands. That one's, that one's pretty, that one's pretty close in a lot of ways to like keeping me interested mainly because of just how much there is in that game and like, like how detailed it is. And, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, I like the, the drop in drop out co-op feature, which makes things super nice in that game. It scales too. It scales based on you know whoever's you know lowest, I believe. So it, it scales better than it does in the division. How is that for single player? By side note: How is that for single player? Division or uh, Wildlands? Wildlands. It's all right. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I've I've I, every time I've eyed it, I'm like, eh, here it's not great for single player because I'm not always interested in co-op. I just want to load. Well, the, the nice yeah, thing can. is, if you're playing, if you're playing single player, right, you do have AI and then, buddies with and you. Then, yeah, you get AI, and they're not dumb. You, know, you can combat. command them too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, and they, there's stuff, you know, like you can queue up targets. You know, like okay, there's target one, there's target. Oh yeah, two, there's 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 the whole simultaneous. like simultaneous shooting and. Yeah, so I mean, it's cool. You, you feel like kind of the leader, right? So it's like I'm gonna spot targets out and tell my dudes what what to do and then press go and it it kind of actually it's an open world thing but then whenever you assault a base it you can actually kind of get it to like an old school rainbow six kind of deal where it's like okay here's the plan right Right. this is how we're going in there because some of those bases man if you just roll in there with no plan you're dead so 
Yeah. Um, but thing that's nice is the drop in, drop out multiplayer, because if one of us comes online, it's not like, oh, OK, I got to quit. And then we go match make like literally I could be in the middle of shooting something and Jim can be like, hey, man, you need some help and, and roll up on me and like help me out. Yeah. Nice. So so you said it as as like, OK, I just want a friends only. It's open to friends. And then if your friends come online, they can just drop in your game or not. Do you think? And they don't necessarily have to be like in your area either. They could be, you know, I could be off playing my mission somewhere else. It's funny. That's true. So people are still playing Unreal Tournament 2004 uh, to this day. Oh, I'm sure people are still playing the original Unreal Tournament. I I guess, I guess the, the point I was trying to make though is, is like I, the, there's so much in favor of the esports slash streamer like mentality in the gaming industry that what's really frustrating me is there's so much stuff that has shifted there. And it's not like I'm trying to be some old coot that's like can't get with the times. Like it's it's like PUBG literally sucks as a game. Like that game just sucks. Like the mechanics of it, it's glitchy as all hell still. The only reason it's good is because so many people tell you it's supposed to be good. You know, yeah. Did you see, did you see they're re-releasing DayZ with a new engine? What? Yeah, I'm like, oh god, why? Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, so that's a thing. But, but, but it's uh, uh, it's it's one of those things where I I would I would rather take uh, like a good mixing melting pot. Like I just want some of these triple like A developers to really put out some heavy hitting single slash co-op games like wildlands give Mm -hmm. me some kind of new star wars rpg that is like mass effect 2 like with like republic commando but with drop in drop out you know republic commando is a great example i would take a republic commando rainbow six siege style game today yeah so would i you know Yeah, like I just Destiny Destiny Two proved to be like just a a waste of my time. Like I I was so frustrated. Like after I realized what was really going on with that game, I was like, I'm I'm out, eject. What's really going on with that game? I've never played it. Was it is it cool to play through the story and then you just don't want to grind on it anymore? Basically, okay, I played it. Basically, it's just like there's there's nothing there's nothing there that's super depthy about it. it it's very it's very straightforward. Um, it's it's kind of like okay, so here here's a great example. Uh, Brian, you're playing through Call of Duty Modern Warfare right now. Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare, the first Modern Warfare, right? Yes. And you're and I would say so far you've had a positive experience playing that game. Very much so. Yes. Right. So that positive experience over time kind of weighed down on people. So like Modern Warfare 2 was still pretty good, but Modern Warfare 3 kind of like hit people a little hard. It it wasn't as good. And then it was like some of the Black Ops had their moments, and then there was some other ones in there in between that like were okay, but they just weren't good. Like Modern Warfare Call of Duty 4 was like, I, I feel the pinnacle of that. Like from storytelling to gameplay, it was just great. And for years, I never bought a Call of Duty game until the the space-based one came out. And I played it, and it didn't suck, but it was only eight to nine mm. hours of story. And then after that, there was nothing left for me to do. And which was interesting because I 
I liked what I was doing, but I, I wanted more from that world. Like there was more story that I feel like I could, could be told, uh, you know, it's, it's the mass effect Two syndrome mass effect Two, arguably the best of the three. And one of the better, one of the better, I think, space-based RPGs we've had um, next to like KOTOR. And so, yeah, I, I wanted more of that kind of a game and I know that that's not the game that they made. So I should just like suck it up and deal with it. I I hear you, you know, I hear you trolls out there. I get it. But, uh, so I, I think I think that I'm not alone though in these thoughts. So like, I can't be the only person. So you would have preferred them to expand the existing game of Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare to add more to that, so you could have spent more time in that world rather than make new games that try and copy that success but just can't. Well, no, not necessarily Modern Warfare Four, but I'm. But I'm just using like, that as an example because that's that's where we started. So I was just keep, keeping. With well, that there example. is a trend in the industry, right? Like if you look at Rainbow Six and whatever, they're they're doing these like living games where it's like, okay, we made a game and we're going to get five years out of this game, so we're going to continue to plug content into this game, you know, until people are sick of it, basically. Um, which Call of Duty, instead of making an iteration of Call of Duty every year. Just put another chapter out, and that would be enough. I think. Well, well, there's, there's the here's the consideration though. It's the replay value is, is where it kind of boils down to. So, in like Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare, the type of game that that tells and the type of game that that is, your replay value is very low, and then from there it just goes into multiplayer. Um, and that's just the way that that genre of game is. It's the same thing with the new Call of Duty that I like so much. Like it's just the way that that game is. You can't take it any further than where it's gone. Yeah, but however, would, you, would you say? That- however, hold on a second. However, if you were to start over from the beginning with that game as an RPG and told a different story, then you could tack on way more to that. Okay, but I. Th- I think the potential problem there is what we see. Well, the division gets around that because the PVP stuff is in a different area, but whenever you're when, because like the story mode co-op, they fucked up. It's terrible. Right. Well, I'm not talking about co-op. I, I know, I know, but I'm saying, but then you graduate out of the single player slash bad co-op into the multiplayer thing. And then you play in there forever. Right. Um, and but going back to destiny okay what if or or is the way that destiny works like you played through the story right and then you want to play with your friends co-op so it's almost like new game plus it's like okay well let's go back to the beginning and we'll reiterate over the same story over and over as we grind up through uh you know it's like well that's not cool or is it just like, okay, well, there's like four boss missions and we just grind these same four boss missions like week after week. Cause it seems it's, like it's you're a, just grinding over the same content. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's really a grinding over the same content. Occasionally they'll come out with like a new, like, I guess you could call it raid or dungeon or something like you can go and yeah. do and try and get the but, loot. But, but then at that point, in my opinion, you're story like story content though. The story content's fine. Like it just, I just, but it doesn't make sense if you like kill the same bad guy 
no, every it night. Doesn't. Right? It's, just, it's 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 the uh, it's the MMO factor at that point, right? It's the theme park right. thing. So, but that's why it's a bad MMO is because an MMO does not have you grind over the same story. But, over but, and over but, and over. But it can, depending on what can. you're doing. And this is what I'm trying to get at is like with with WoW, if you go and do dungeons, like you can go do like the same dungeons like six times in a row just to like grind up for experience. Just to get to the next tier of dungeons to go and run. And then that that just gets boring. You know, it, it really does because it's literally you're grinding and it, I remember like I felt like I was gonna scrape out my eyes because I was getting power leveled with a friend of mine one time. And all we did was like I got to a certain point and then they just pulled me through dungeons for like a week and I was like, This is just obnoxious. Um because I'm like skipping over the entirety of the other, like the rest of the game, just to power level all the way up, so I could like do all of their high level stuff with them. But, but was, how is it? How is it that Warframe does exactly the same thing and yet succeeds massively? Like I can play that and not get bored, right? Well, I think I think the thing with Warframe is is the way that they um, they give you everything else outside of your missions. Because it's it's almost oh. like Destiny wants to be like Halo Warframe, but not. And that the problem is the not. Because if they'd have just done Halo Warframe, everybody would have loved it. So because well, Warf- so because Warframe has a has a hub basically where you can catch your breath and deal with the metagame, You think that's one of the reasons? Well, the kind carrot of. stays on the stick because it's like okay, I got to go do this mission. Right. So I'll open up a party and okay, like three of my friends jump in. All right, we're going to go do this mission and boom, we're off to it. And it's not like we have to run around the world. It's, you know, like a traditional Warcraft MMO where it's like, okay, well, we're in this zone. And to get to that mission, we have to run like through the jungle and then take a bird and go to the city. And then from the city, we run up into the swamp and, you know, I'll see you guys there. And it's a time sink. No, it's just like, I'm at the console in my ship. All right, let's go to Venus. All right, boom. And we're there. So, so let's, 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 uh, let's use another game as an example here. Diablo two. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good, uh, example of like, people don't get even Diablo three. People don't get sick of well, grinding it. Well, well, that's, this is, this is where I'm going to get at. Cause Diablo two and Diablo three have a very much different type of, uh, metagame at the end. Right. So Diablo 2, the thing that's pretty stellar about Diablo 2 is each time you like load it up and start a new game, the maps could be different every single time. They they don't have it's got it's got uh you know dynamic map generations for all the levels. And that I mean there there is like a pattern to them in a lot of ways, but like that kind of keeps it interesting because you know, you're like, oh, well, usually, like, the, the exit to the rogue encampment's right here down south, but, like, this time, it's, like, up north. So, I guess we're going to start, you, you know, not, right. And so, each time you play, it's kind of got a different experience, and the thing that's cool about Diablo 2 is it also has similar kind of drop-in, drop-out mechanics to co-op. Um, you know, you can have a friend join you, and you guys can go and explore a certain part, no matter, like, what level they're at. You guys can go and have fun. And it changes the difficulty, too. When more people join, the minions get harder. And so you get to a point where, like, you're min-maxing, and you're looking for all kinds of loot, and then you get into, like, the PvP part portion of things, and it's just great. And you can do, like, you know, if your character dies, then it's, like, gone completely. 
And so there was that kind of metagame to Diablo 2. And Diablo 2, honestly, is just a, a great game. It's just a lot of fun. It's a great dungeon crawler. Now, you translate to Diablo 3, and they don't necessarily have the dynamic maps. However, they've got the seasons, and they've got the difficulty tiers, and they've got, they're constantly dropping in new types of things for you go to do that I think honestly just keep the game interesting. So like what kind of things? Because is it just like, okay, well we, we turn the bosses up like another five well, levels. Well you can you can do you can you can increase your difficulty levels so like things just become insanely hard. There's also the seasons stuff where you can start from like ground zero and level your way up through a season to get specific type of loot that you can only get during that kind of season. Mm-hmm. And then they translate that into PvP arenas and stuff like that. Um, yeah. you know, so the, like, they also add like new portals, I guess, new, um, what was the one they had like the, like the Care Bear Rainbow Land, whatever. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of crazy. Um, so I mean, it's just like the content just is always, they're always doing something different. They're always kind of like keeping it interesting, right? While it's still at this point, I think, what is it? Diablo 3 is, uh, a, seven-year-old game i think now yeah so does path of exile do it better though because it's dedicated to being i cannot i cannot i can neither confirm nor deny because i've not played path of exile because they they put like pokemon mode in this month or last month it's like you actually like catch and raise monsters a a lot of people see a lot of people see path of exile as the actual diablo 2 successor that it deserved rather than what diablo 3 ended up being um, well, that's fine. I like I like both Diablo two and three, but like, let's do the whole season the, thing too. This, yeah, this, yeah. This, this is the kind of stuff though that I'm talking about that I think really keeps games alive. First of all, the base game is just solid. It's got a solid story. It's got solid missions. It's got solid gameplay mechanics, right? And then yeah. on top of that, they keep adding in more and more cool stuff. I can't see anything new coming from Fortnite than other other than new maps or new loot. There's nothing really like too terribly different that they're going to throw into that game. It is what it is. And that's all it's going to do. It's an arena crafting survival shooter, right? And it sort of set the tone. Like in the first DLC, it was like they recycled all the enemies. It was like, well, there's nothing new. So thanks. And I, there's, there's like, you know, it's the same thing with Overwatch. Like, unless they add new heroes, which God help me, like that's just kind of what it does. And yeah. That's why. That's why I'm like, you know, I guess maybe that's why people aren't playing Unreal Tournament 2004 anymore or any new Unreal tournaments is because that's what they do, and it's this, they're the same. They're almost arguably the same kind of games that we have now. Overwatch essentially is a better version of Team Fortress 2 in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so, I, what about Lawbreakers? That's a yeah. Lawbreakers died. Uh, yeah. Death. So, what, so what, somebody, what happened? Somebody to that? said, but did you see they're working on a new game, right? And the new game that they're working on, like something Heights, whatever it is. Um, if you look at it, you're like, oh my god, it looks just like Fortnite. So it's like, well, there you go. So somebody, somebody said, well, I wonder if they're going to turn it into a battle royale game. And somebody replied on Twitter. They were like, no, it already was a Battle Royale game. When it first came out, there was 100 players, and now it's down to one. 
So what happened to this lawbreakers yeah, thing? What happened? It just it couldn't sustain a community. Like no one was playing it. Yeah, it came out. It's mm-hmm. like Overwatch was already there. PUBG was at its height. Fortnite was coming in, and it was just like there's no players for this because everybody's already got a game. What I think I think I think the PUBG developers were even like hiring streamers just to play their game. Like they were paying people to stream. Oh, absolutely. Like, Fortnite did too. So like you, you get that just all over the front page and you get all the popular people playing it. And then this is, this is the kind of same thing with discoverability in general that we were having problems with before the streamer problem, which was, is you get these mass like injections of just this bullshit. And like, how do you really, and this is where I was getting at with the whole, like, like, you know, media in general, like gaming, gaming is a mainstream entertainment service. Now it's not, it's not just something that was kind of like a side entertainment industry. It was, it has become quite literally the mainstream gaming thing. And, and, and that's, and that's cool in some senses because we do get some great games out of it, but. Well, you know, the old adage, it takes money to make money. And I think with games, it's like it takes players to gain players or takes, you know, it takes an audience to get an audience. Right. So you have to buy your initial audience and then it can get its own critical mass off of that. But but it's almost like for a game to make it, you have to, you know, like day one, it's like, all right, let's let's like buy somebody that's going to put 10,000 eyes on this thing and, and make it popular. And then if we get you know, whatever percentage of sales out of there, then we have a population and then our multiplayer game isn't dead because as we've discussed many, many times on this show, if you launch a game and there's five players, you're done. So I think maybe the cure for that is to to pay a streamer to bring an audience into the game because people want to play with him or whatever. You know what makes me really sad? You were talking about Fortnite and whatnot. So I just looked on Twitch to see how many people were streaming Fortnite. There's 11 billion streams. Yeah, but if you look, right like the, the top 10 have all the people and then everybody else. Yeah, the number one right. the number one streamer has 105,000 people oh watching him. Oh, my and God. And you get 30,000 people on, the, on watching Shroud. And then Dr. Disrespect's playing. He's got 16,000. But then... And fucking Logan Paul of all... People's got oh Jesus Christ. But then you really? so look he's at, a streamer now, not a tech consultant. Okay. But then you look at a, a game like Orbital Racer. Great game, right? Great, great game. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it yeah, breaks, but Orbital Racer single player, right? Yeah. But it breaks yeah, my heart. That's the problem. Yeah. Because okay. people look at that and they're like, oh, I don't own a joystick. Okay, what would be less niche then? What would be like a less niche thing I could look up? Well, yeah, I don't think we're in an age right now where if you came out with multiplayer freaking Wipeout, which that game is kind of like Wipeout in space, right? But you could mm. come out with multiplayer eSport-ass Wipeout and it wouldn't get an audience because it's just not what's hot right now. People don't want vehicle games. People want PUBG, right? It's like, I, I want a gun. I want around run around and shoot people in the head. And and I want to get cool cosmetic loot so that I can look badass on my stream because I want to wear like you know whatever. Well, and, I'm I, and I think at, maybe that's why why GTA does so well on a stream too because mm. you can pimp your character up so much. And it's like, look at my boat, look at my chopper, look at all my stuff, bling bling. Yeah, I'm looking it's like at you can um, show that to your friends, yeah. or you can show that to ten thousand people on a stream. 
and then other people are like, hey, we need that too, and then the shark cards must flow. So you know. Now, uh, with that said, uh, GTA Five is actually more profitable than any film or book ever. Really? Yep. The revenue is estimated to be $6 billion. Some shark cards, man. It's, it's not about... Wait, wait. Million units. Wait, how much? Since, since, since 2013, when it released, it has sold over 90 million units and taken in $6 billion in revenue. Billion? Billion. Yeah, and you still wonder <sighs> why they can't get rid of their fucking troll problem. Oh, my God. Because the trolls actually sell, sell shark cards. Wow. Yeah, it's like, God damn it, these trolls, I can't play this game. I better spend some money so I can catch up with the trolls. So they got jets. I don't have a jet. I need to get a jet. Here, here's fifty bucks. I'm gonna buy a jet. Jesus. And then you, and then the next month they come out with a flying fucking motorcycle. And it's like, uh I thought you guys were trying to get rid of the trolls and you you just gave them like the super troll mobile. Thanks. Oh. Okay, so get this. The top eighteen like uh, Fortnite streamers right now all have over a thousand view like viewers. Jesus Christmas. Yeah, so also if you have dreams that you're gonna be a big famous streamer, do not try to do it with Fortnite. Yep. That game is already taken. Move along. So so that also drives Move see, along home. Well, like I had said before, like uh, the people you know, people like 1% of the YouTubers or whatever are the influencers and the other 99% are customers. And so it's like, you get all these kids with this dream, like, man, I'm going to be the stream hero. So I'm going to, I'm going to like buy this game, you know, like day one stream hero. Well, because, because it's the lottery, (laughs) right? It's like, it's like monster hunters coming out tomorrow. All of us run out and buy Monster Hunter because there's zero viewers on it right now. So we all have the same odds tomorrow, right? And the audience is going to go to somebody. Oh, shit, I didn't get it. All right, what's the next $60 game that I have to run out and buy? You know, and, and that's your two-week cycle again, right? Because f- how many people have Twitch streams up? How many people are, are like, try-hard, wannabe Twitch stream you know? And, and it's like, well, I'm going to run out and get this game. Well, that one didn't stick. All right, I'm going to go get this one. On the flip side, you got people with a niche, and they stick to that niche, and they gain viewers specifically because that's what they want to see more of. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's people that, you know, there'll there'll be somebody that has been playing God knows what, you know, it could be like Unreal Tournament 2004, and it's like he's got an audience for that, and that's what he plays, and they tune in to see it, and they throw money at him for it, and, you know, that's his thing. Don't try to compete with him, though, because he's got the audience. But, yeah, there's there are people that are variety streamers, and there are people that are, like, single-topic streamer people, right? Like, Ark was huge with that. There's a lot of people that, that was just like, all I do is play Ark. But then you talk to those people, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of playing Ark. Wow, there are 21 people playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 right now on Twitch. There are 100, 107 viewers. There are um, seven. There are about what, nine streams for the original Unreal Tournament. Not a lot of viewers, though. But that's no, still crazy. I, I will. I will say that uh, I have watched Battlefront Two, and I do not find it an entertaining game to watch. So maybe that's why it also isn't doing so well on Twitch. 
if it was hella entertaining to watch, then people wouldn't give a shit about that loot box controversy. It would have like overcome that. I think Hunter, are you talking about the original Battlefront two or the new one? The new one. Oh God, really? That's it. Yeah, listen yeah. the original one. It, I'll I'll crack up if it's got more viewers. Probably has none. Uh, there's one stream going right now with one viewer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> has a lot of oh. followers, though. That one game has a lot of followers. I didn't know games could have followers on Twitch. Oh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. But it, it's it's just the thing of, like, you know, when playing a game becomes your job, but you're really burnt out on that game. Right. Are, are you living your best life? So not yeah. only so not only do you, you have remember, to, you guys remember Minecraft? <laughs> so not only do you have to make a game that's fun to play, but fun to watch. Right? Is that what you're getting at? Part that's part of, that's part of the the issue with uh, I think the development, in my opinion, is <sighs> because. Games games have been made to be more social than they've ever been before, and that's not a necessarily a bad thing, right? No. Like some games to be be social, but like I think there's just it, it has become the well, what can make us money uh, socially, right? I mean, clearly Fortnite. The fact that they've also got that crap on mobile, you can play Fortnite the the arena version that everybody's playing. You can play that for free. Like you don't have to pay money to play, right? So yeah, I, they're oh. making millions a, like a day. Yeah, and the controversy was when that game mm. first came out, it was the not battle royale version, and it cost sixty dollars for early access, and they shipped oh. it to Walmart and other retail stores in a box that you couldn't tell was re, was early access. You just thought, well, hey, here's a new game on the shelf, and then the, the fine print down at the bottom is like, oh, yes, early access. Space engineers did the same thing, actually. They did? Yeah. For a little while, you could go to Walmart and buy a boxed version of Space Engineers. Early hey, you want to talk about, okay, a streamer who has a dedicated audience for something that I just find boring as shit is Captain Shack and the whole Space Engineers thing. Because it's just like, all right, it's a sandbox. Well, We're going to make our own fun. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. So the Captain Shack, like, Space Engineers thing? Yeah. That's all pre-recorded edited video that he throws out there in most cases mm-hmm. most of that stuff you see on youtube is not even like there's there's a there's because they do like a these these seasons where they do like a like a scripted show that they've kind of built with his like friend streamers that they do and a lot of that stuff is like pre-done and edited and yeah but if you watch his twitch stream no matter what he's playing Right, it's like people are dropping hundred dollar, two hundred dollars on him, and he doesn't even flinch anymore. He's like numb to it now, and and it's just like, damn. Well, I wish that we streamed space games. Oh wait, clearly we're doing something wrong, or we're just unattractive people. I don't know. It's something. He, uh, well, he's better at it than we are. He's, well, he, uh, yeah. he has more time to do it than we do. Well, I think I think there's there's a difference there though, right? Like it's it, like what you just said, Brian. There's he's got more time. Like he's made this into his career. He's also he also plays a lot more like mods too, because he'll play a lot of Star Wars uh, battle, not Battlefront, but Star Wars um, Empire War mods. You know, he plays he you know he 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 covers a lot of the modding community, which we don't we talk about, but we don't really cover the mods as like. 
for example, like when you do your your game of the week, you don't necessarily cover a mod. Um, Very rarely, you, yeah. yeah. And it's most, and it's game of the week where he goes back over and over and over. You know, it's like okay, this week we're going to try this mod again or whatever. But we're going to play are, with this faction, yeah, because the mods are constantly updating and and you can play it from a different angle or whatever. So he he manages to make a lot of content out of a handful of games. Yeah, and then you know you've also got. So I mean, it's just like it's it's different though, right? Like we've we've all got different like levels of investment and stuff and yeah i wish i could invest the time and talent that he has into this but i have a job <laughs> right well that was the point i was trying to make like you know he's also got different skill sets that he utilizes while he makes those videos because he's got a lot more like video editing backgrounds yeah, and, like programming exactly. kind of stuff and He's, so he's got a lot more stuff going on. Yeah, he's far more pro. <laughs> he's far more pro than any of us will ever be. <laughs> but that, that's not that's not like a slam against him. I, I say good good on Captain Shack. He does a lot of really good stuff. But uh, yeah, but a lot of his stuff though, I think that's more interesting is like his YouTube stuff, which is also kind of like a weird like scenario. That's a topic for a different time. But anyway, on the whole industry as a whole, I'm just I'm very I'm very much frustrated with it. And I and I I wonder if it's because I've got a, a past in the gaming genre that I know so well to be so good, or if I'm just not you know which is having like me have a hard time grasping on to the current. Well, you it's kind of like you you sorry someone, sorry go ahead finish your thought. Oh, I, I was gonna say someone kind of equated it to me like. When you grew up with the original Star Wars, you're kind of like all for the original Star Wars. But like, mm-hmm. if you grew up with Jar Jar Binks, you're more inclined to be okay with Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, not saying that it's okay, but like, I've met some people that were like the only Star Wars they ever knew for years were the original trilogy, mm-hmm. or not the original trilogy, but like uh, one, two, and three, the the newer stuff. What? And so, so like they they grew up in that that pocket, that bubble of what was current for them growing up without really having any taste of what came before as where I think myself and people of my, of my age and older say like you guys didn't just necessarily grow up with what was current in the times, but you also grew up with like the lineage of your parents. Right. Which is why like I have a soft spot in my heart for the Eagles and Simon and Garfunkel. Those guys weren't popular when I was young, you know, but like, I heard them a lot growing up, <laughs> you know? Well, that is an interesting point you bring up. Like, a lot of us of this age didn't have parents as gamers. But a lot of kids these days did have parents, do have parents who are gamers. Because like, their parents grew up gaming. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, well, that's kind of the uh, exactly. that's kind of the thing, is, is uh, you know, my my dad did a lot of uh, gaming with me when I was younger, so I did grow up. Oh wow! That. Oh good. Yeah, yeah. So that that to me is it's kind of natural, you know. My my son is a gamer too because of me. That's but then again, it's also part of that. I think going back to your point, Hunter, is the internet age. Mm-hmm. Kids born after 1995 have never known a world without the internet oh, and gross. access to that all that information. That we just did not have. 
Right. I think there's, I think there's a level of an imagination there that's kind of missing too. And this is mm. nothing, not necessarily, this is not meant to be a slam. This is just an observation that I've had. And there, there seems to be like, I was teaching my niece. This is a, this is a great example. I have an Xbox 360 and on my Xbox 360, I happen to have Minecraft. I've had it for years my niece, on the other hand, has grown up with Minecraft on a tablet, using her thumbs to control everything. That's how she's learned how to play. I throw a controller in this kid's hand, and she can't look up to save her life. And, you know, I'm patient with her, though, because obviously, like, she's young and she's, like, new and learning how to play and stuff like that. So I'm teaching her how to play. But she's just like, man, I really wish I could just play this on my iPad. Like, I could, I could build this house in, like, a minute. And I was just like... It's like, wow, like, you know, there's that level of experience, but I, I've, I've been noticing that in a lot of other categories too, with like the, the, I guess you could call them the tablet generation. Not only have they grown up with like, you know, the internet at their fingertips, but they're literally at their fingertips doing things instead of more, I guess, in other, in other ways. It's just so- interesting. Here's a sick observation. What if the next generation of game pads are glass screens? Because kids want that glass touch instead of buttons. It'll be like a USB cell phone that you hook up to your console. Shoot me. Yeah. Nintendo tried it. Wii U. Well, the... um... Yeah, the Wii U was a a weird experiment. I think the Wii U is the experiment for the Switch, but I digress. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. You know sorry. that's a, that's a very interesting that's a very interesting like world we live in. Like I'm I'm at a point now where I have no interest in the consoles anymore. Well, it's like we are with with joystick and throttle, right? It's like goddamn game pads took over everything, and then like the the current generation is going to look at their kids and be like, goddamn glass screens took over everything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, like, I'm not opposed to controllers. I think controllers, like, are, they have their you know, place. Gamepads, they, they definitely, they definitely serve purposes in the right games and stuff like that. Just like, you know, mouse and keyboard and joysticks. I think they all kind of, which is why I guess, you know, over the years I've gravitated towards that, um, that PC mindset is because, like, I can, I can do everything with it. I can play anything on it. I can customize it and modify it the way that I want to. I which, can, I can hook any goddamn thing up that I want to with usb be it a keyboard a mouse a guitar my my dog (laughs) if your dog has a chip and you can track it with your computer but it is Uh, you know but no name chip but but, uh but that's that's kind of uh that's kind of the interesting point that i guess too is probably why i've got such an issue with the the new trend in gaming is the you know, especially like when we talked about the Windows Store, when you get a game through the Windows Store, like for real, can I not even touch those game files? I can't. I can't touch those damn game files. Why can't I touch your game files? Why Windows? You know why? Because it's the best goddamn DRM in the world, and that's what scares the shit out of me. Have you ever seen a Windows Store game on the Pirate Bay? Ever? No. Well, I, I don't go to the Pirate Bay, but I would imagine not. Nope, not a bit. Like Forza Horizon, try to find it, a torrent of that. You can't because nobody can torrent it because you can't touch the files. Good. Time to crack it. 
good. Yeah. So, so, but here's the scary thing. Windows has the shittiest store, but the best DRM. So that's a consideration. Like <laughs> the, I have every business case in the world to go to the shittiest store on the planet. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's, and I guess that's where I get to that whole replay value. So coming full circle, Battlefront 2, the new one, the game looks beautiful. It's got uh, a a half-assed, decent single-player campaign that ultimately reminds me of better Star Wars games. But it's still beautiful, and it was still entertaining and fun, although simplistic and shallow. However, when it comes to multiplayer, I have to do the damn matchmaking stuff, right? And then the the co-op stuff is literally like just two people. Like I can't do a, a room of four of us. There's what? no dedicated servers. There's no there's no like mod community for it. There's no real like replay value other than what I am told I can have. And that sucks cuz like you know mm. What look at look at how the gaming industry has kind of come to where it is. We talked about this not too long ago. I think on a previous episode, maybe it was on a previous episode. We talked about the Quake engine and like literally what Quake has done for the gaming industry. Like all of your best games through the early two thousands used some iteration of the Quake. Oh engine. yeah, we we're talking about that with like you Elite know, Force and and whatnot. Yeah, all like, the way up, it's gotten modified and somehow, but it's all been a derivative base of the Quake engine. I think the Call Source of Engine is the last one. It didn't. <laughs> it did not look good. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like even Source games like come from a modified like Quake engine and. And that's just that's just crazy when you think about like where we've come from. But like, so Source, you go to Source. What happened with Source? You got Half Life Two. You know what happened before Half Life Two? You had Half Life. What happened with Half Life was you had mods like Team Fortress Two, uh, Team Fortress, uh, Blue Shift, Opposing Force, Counter Strike, and then you get to you know Half Life Two. You get Team Fortress Two which wasn't necessarily a mod, but like it was an actual game that was previously a mod, you know, yeah. then you get uh day of defeat source, you get. So, it, so basically you're things. saying it takes one killer game to make the engine emerge. Right. And then you get a whole generation of games that are awesome build off that engine. And then it's right. time and for then, another game. And then, and then off of those awesome games that came from that one game, you get the modding community that makes even more games from that. So the point I'm trying to make, though, is is your replay value skyrockets when you have a solid engine that can be touched. Mm-hmm. Which currently it's Unreal mm-hmm. and and uh, Unity, Unity. Yeah, yeah, but like, but those, I try not but to those, say but those, Unity. But, but, <laughs> Unity. But those games, those those are just straight up engines. I'm talking about like taking a game and modding the game itself that might be built in those engines, like. Unity and Unreal is great for building a game, but you have to start from scratch and with assets and all these other things. As where if you take a game, you can mod the game, which is why I love the Homeworld game so much because of all the cool, crazy ass mods you can get for it. Or you know, Sins of a Solar Empire. God bless Sins of a Solar Empire. Free Space and the mod Two. Team for Star Trek Armada Three. You guys are awesome. You know, keep up the good work on whatever your next project is because they just finished up Star Trek Armada Three. It's it's complete. So. 
Yeah, look at Free Space 2. I mean, that source code got released well over a decade ago, and that community is still pounding out mods, still pounding out updates for its uh, for uh, its engine updates to make it look all pretty. It's it's just amazing what you can do when you have access to the engine. So, Hunter, you asked a question. We're going to close on this. You asked a question in the Trello that I find fascinating. Who's doing... I'm going to paraphrase it. Who's doing more damage to the industry? Consumers or developers? I... I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer to that question. Uh, I don't know if it's one more than the other. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it could easily be a 50, 50 split. I definitely think that part of our problem with the gaming industry is the hype train, but mm-hmm. who starts that hype train? Well, uh, I think all the blame, the, hype train. the blame, the blame falls on the capitalism cycle. Right. Where it's like you you are for obvious reasons going to you make a good thing and then you ride it into the dust. Right. You squeeze every dime out of that thing that you can. And, you know, if the, if there's a, a way it, basically like to squeeze more money out of the gaming community. Right. Um, the practices that do that will be the ones that succeed. And you, you could say, well, it's the consumer's fault because the consumer doesn't get wise to it. Well, is it the consumer's fault because that's the only things that are put on the table for them to consume? So it's a catch to right. too. So there, the, the, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. That's exactly that's a good way of phrasing that, Jim. And, I, and I'll and I'll put it to you like this: on top of what Jim said. When I, as a consumer, am so forced into a one-way street on what I can consume from something, it makes it hard for a consumer like myself and and you fine gentlemen to really continue to go down that path. I super rarely ever will ever pre-order a game. I think the last game I pre-ordered was the Battletech game only because I have good sources to tell me to go ahead and drop the money on it because it was going to be cheaper for me to pre-order it than to buy it when it was brand new. So I did because I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game and I trust the people that are making it and I trust the people who have already got eyes on it that have talked to me about it. But like outside of that... I mean, you know, with the AAA industry, you know, I almost, for here's a great example. I almost bought the 60, no, what was it? $120 collector's edition of the first Titanfall game that came with that giant statue. I almost bought that Ooh. within the first, within the first hour and a half of playing Titanfall one. I was so glad that I did not. Yeah. Right. Jeez. And that's and that's exactly why I don't and like I see collector's editions sometimes of games now and I go oh that's cool but then like I start thinking like do I really want a collector's edition of a game that might just ultimately be shit you know then I've got this like cool looking thing but like it 
it's only a reminder of how bad of a game it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, where, where where's the trade-off from actually having this cool thing? Um, like, I didn't buy the collector's edition for Star Wars The Old Republic until probably about oof, four years ago, I want to say. And that's, you know, four years ago was 2014, and that's like three years after the game was already out. Well, yeah. remember the the good old days, right? So they would come out with a game, and then they would come out with an expansion, and then they would come out with the gold edition, which was the game with the expansion. So if you were a slow burn gamer, you would wait for the gold edition to come out, and then you would get the entirety of the content, which also the game would have, would have caught some patches and stuff in between, you know, the original release and the expansion, right? Um, so you would get the the complete package at the original price, or maybe even discount it, if you could wait a year, because it, it was usually like six months or something before the expansion would hit. I'm I'm talking like, you know, in the in the MicroProse era, right? That, right, 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 right. Well, that was kind of like the whole cool thing about like StarCraft, right? Like he had, or, or even Warcraft, right? You get you get the first game, you get the second game, or you get the first game in the expansion, and then after a while they come out with a battle chest edition, and it comes with both the games plus strategy guides and yeah, and dude, the battle chest edition did. Whenever we used to follow like the the retail charts on games, not just Steam, but the retail charts, the freaking StarCraft battle chest was in the top five selling games every month for 10 years it's like at what point does everybody that owns a computer own five copies of this game like, <laughs> i know I how do, could actually. it possibly <laughs> how could it i think possibly- I, I think i think i own actually two battle chest editions of starcraft not gonna lie do you enable it <laughs> yeah it does hit saturation point at, uh, eventually because yeah but my everyone God, it took 10 to years it, to fall would, off yeah i know that's that's insane yeah, so Blizzard's just like, that's let's why just Blizz- keep doing that. That's why Blizzard can do so, whatever the hell they want. Basically. So, so explain, explain to me the the StarCraft phenomenon with StarCraft 2, okay, where StarCraft 2 came out, and then they put on two expansions, and then they put out StarCraft 1 for free, and but all along, you could play StarCraft 2 multiplayer for free, Right. But you just no, couldn't no, no, play. You, could play, you couldn't play the competitive ranked. Right, stuff. you could. You could. Yeah, you couldn't do competitive ranked stuff. But you, you could have played StarCraft Two multiplayer and the arcade for free for like years. Right, and then at some point, at some point, they decided, hey, let's just give the whole game away, campaign and all. Right, or is that just the yeah. first chapter, and you still have to buy the? I think the first two chapters they gave away for free. Uh, well, see, that's damn. <laughs> you know, at some point, I guess it's just like, let's just give it away, right? Instead of battle chesting it. I'm shocked that they didn't battle chest it, though. They don't need to. No, yeah. but business, right? Well, in the day, in, in, the, in, our, in our day of di- the digital stuff. So, so to get back to your, your final question there, Brian, sorry. To get back to your final question on who's responsible or like, you know, where, where, where is that, that dividing line? Well, I would say in a number of ways it falls on both parties, but differently. Okay. I think it falls. I think some of the fault falls on the consumer for just blindly following the hype, right? You have the mm. the young consumers who convince the parents to buy the stuff, and the parents are like, "Yeah, I'll do anything just to shut the kid up." 
you've, you've got that. That's out there. I'm not saying that's everybody, but that's, that's, that is a percentage of what's going on out there. You know, then you got the ones that are like, well, if I want to keep playing with my friends, I've got to get all this stuff too. Right. Game prices have gone up. Collector's editions versions of things have drastically gone up. Um, and, and, and you don't get as much as you used to, you know, you, you buy you buy a game in a big box back in the day. You were getting like storybooks and manuals and charts and graphs and you know a dictionary. <laughs> in some cases, I guess I exaggerate, but like you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I, you get you get less for more. And I know that there's inflation that's tied to this, so I'm not knocking on that, but. Um, the interaction and the involvement and the ties to the development studio and just all of the the intricacies of it, I don't think are there as much as they used to be. So the consumers are buying into a lot of things, but they're not really getting as much out of it, especially like when, what was it? Battlefront two was for Battlefront one was first announced. If you wanted the, the base game plus the season pass, it was $120, something like that. Right. Yes. It was exactly $120. That's insane. Same. Yeah, and that's when everybody said, "Well, that's it. We've arrived at the the real cost of a game is one hundred and twenty dollars." And then what was it? Like six months to a year later, you could buy the whole thing for like twenty bucks. I saw it. Uh, no, six months later for what Battlefront? I saw it cheap, like fifteen bucks. Yeah. And then the last sale, it was five. <laughs> it's like yeah. wow, that thing's only a year old. Yeah, year but your but your but your content generation in that game is also not that great because there's not like there's no where's the value in it? As where you look at Activision, go on Steam right now, all of you listeners, even if you don't own a game, just go look at the Steam store and search for Call of Duty and tell me right now how much Call of Duty original OG is, how much Call of Duty 2 OG is. And how much Call of Duty 4 is right now, you will be shocked at how much they think those games are worth. And those games came out forever ago. The Call of Duty games are some of the most expensive games I've ever seen, and they like they rarely drop in price. Once a year on the grand Steam sale, you'll see like the unpopular ones will come down to nine bucks. The other ones come down to like nineteen. It's amazing. Yeah, but but that's because they're still making bank. They're still selling it. If they weren't selling it, they would drop the price. And I would I would venture to say and argue that the original ones were really good. They made really good, solid games. And that, again, is where I think the problem therein lies, is you have the consumers who are buying into hype on things that are not complete games because developers can now, with the power of the Internet, put out incomplete garbage in some cases, not all, and then patch it later or call it early access and throw it out there because the idea of early access is not what it was supposed to be. Early access is like you can get into it. It's not complete, but you can start playing it now. But the point really was is you know, you're supposed to be able to you know, give feedback. So early yeah. access is no longer, you know, really. So early access has become like privileged access to something and you can maybe get your name in the credits or something like that because you're part of the early access. And so then on top of that, then you get the developers who are just like, look, we can throw out all kinds of stuff. And with the, again, the adventures of the internet, you get 
the the free engines that are out there and people can asset flip and throw all kinds of stuff out there and people are throwing up little things, big things, all things in between. And so with the AAA guys, they have cashed in on the fact that nobody wants to necessarily play all this garbage stuff, but you know, we're going to make bank by throwing out there a $60 game that on the surface only has a few things. We'll include more options and playability stuff in, in some of the season pass stuff. And then we'll charge like five bucks for each season pass. Thing. And so literally for a complete game, if you want it, you've got to, you got to shelve out a lot of cash. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the great travesty that's happened this month with that is sea of thieves because for rare to do this, what happened with sea of shocking. Thieves? Well, oh, Thieves came yeah. out and there's no content. It, it's like it's a beautiful game uh-huh. with nothing to do. And the content uh, that they what? give you is also quite strange where if you go and loot like four treasure chests, you have to one by one carry that shit all the way back to shore. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's also funny. I looted, one one? Ch- I looted a chest of gold and then I deliver it to a guy who then gives me a portion of the gold that was in it. It's like, why don't I just keep the chest, dude? you know, <laughs> whatever, but, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. Right. And it's like, I find it interesting to watch people that are trying to stream it because they're working so hard to try to hype something that is. So, so angry Joe did a really great video of this. There's a Kraken in the game. And so they go to find the Kraken and literally it's just these tentacles that come up out of the water around your ship. So they yeah. jump into the water to try and look at it. And like the water becomes murky and dark and you can't see anything. There's nothing there. It's just, just tentacles coming out of the water. It's nothing. Yeah. Cause these guys, and they then, got to the 11th hour with a cannon and like it's dead. You know, it's yeah, like, they, they got to the 11th hour and they were like, we got to show some kind of boss or something. There has to be content in this game. Like, there's there's got to be a thing to get to other than you just go to these three islands and grab three treasure chests and that's it and and it's like okay let's put in a kraken okay and uh, you know like let's get some animators in here and, and uh let's make some tentacles all right cool sweet ship it <laughs> that's basically well, what and, happened and so so this is so there's there's two sides to this you've got you've got the consumers who are willing to buy anything on the hype train mm-hmm then you got the developers who are putting out stuff that is either incomplete or just so on the surface flashy that they can get away with it for a while. Like mm. I eat battlefront and battlefront two. Boy, mm. do those games look beautiful. Boy, do they look <laughs> great when you play them. Boy, do they, Oh my gosh, my childhood star Wars. Oh, the shit. Like they, they feed off of that and then they leave you with a lot of nothing at the end. So then after all of that, you get developers like Braven putting out Elite Dangerous when they did as a complete game. That to me is like, if why are people not more enraged by a lot of this stuff with the games industry? Are, well, are they did just they not did. talking about it. Are there are people just not like aware, or are they just want to turn a blind eye and say, I don't have like a care in the world for any of this. I just, I like what I like, and I'm just going to stick to it. I don't mind playing dead-end games. But it's like, you look at Elite Dangerous, and it's like, I can go exploring, but I'm going to go and explore and see the same five solar systems, because like, one, you've seen one like barren moon. I, I've, I've seen it. There's nothing new about that other barren moon 30,000 light years over there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as a then counterpoint they... to that, there's uh, Dying Light, which is now three years old, 
But last year, at the very end of the year, they announced that they would be putting out a ton of new DLC, much of which is free and adds a bunch of content to the game. And not because they're trying to make a, a crap load of extra money off of it. Some of it is paid DLC, but it's pretty cheap. And I, and I will say that the free DLC is better than the paid DLC by far. There, so, there is that too. Yeah. So what they didn't like take the best and, you know, like give you the scraps for free and then just say, Oh, but if you want the good shit, you got to pay. No, they gave you the good stuff. And the, and the other stuff is, is almost like, well, here, I want a ninja suit. All right. But you see that, that kind of development cycle and thought process is so few and far between. Right. That, right. It's, <laughs> it's that it like I didn't, you know, I'm so out of the loop on a lot of this stuff because there's just so much information out there, guys. And like this is a, this is, again, part of the problem. There's so much information out there. It has become such so difficult to follow any of this. Like Dying Light, I would probably love to play that game, but like I've just not. I, you know, I like you only have so much time and I have to choose what I'm going to play with my time. But at the same time, that news would be kind of nice to hear about, you know, but like, but to try and have an RSS feed of like all of the gaming news that's going on out there would just be, you know, insane. It would be like trying to keep up with the Twitch chat of someone who has a hundred thousand people watching. Yeah, yeah, or, I can't. Know, some, can't some, some, I, someone on YouTube with the same thing. Yeah, even with an well, RSS guess, reader, I can't keep up. Even when, even so I guess, uh, yeah, it's there's what, just so much. I guess the deal is some of the companies are banking, and I hope correctly so, that at the end of the game, reputation matters because if you have a studio with a good name that that does not have a reputation of being take the money and run, then you're going to get people that are going to to trust your game, right? To come out and be a thing. Versus if you are like a some fly by night, nobody's ever heard of you, and then you want like early access to Kickstarter and day one DLC and all this BS, uh, you know, like okay, scam's a scam, and we we should be able to smell that now. So, you know, maybe maybe reputation will matter, but but that's the point where the consumers being savvy is going to matter. Yeah, you guys remember you guys remember Ark. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting story, right? Because Pixar came out and I find Pixar, there's a, oh God, there's so much salt about Pixar, but you know what? Pixar is by far the better game. Uh, like two weeks well, after yeah, launch, that's, that's, it's way is, better, what I'm trying to say. but it's like, a different developer. How many, that's what, there, yeah. there are a total of 1700 people watching arc right now across like a, a, a ton of channels. Then you have Ark Survival, which has like another 353 viewers. Uh-huh. But this is definitely not like on the top list of anything anymore. Like none of the none of the big streamers are really into this anymore. Nope. Because well, also Pixar's out. Better game. It's Minecraft, and you just got the Ark people and the Minecraft people. And jammed them together, and there's your audience. Well, not as many, so people, not as many people are watching it. that, but it is a better game, right? But it, but I think it's a genius move of like, let's make something that will appeal to both of these crowds. You know, let, let's let's like put their peanut butter in our chocolate, and <laughs> that's a thing. So I think that the for the company, because that company that that's doing it, Wild, whatever they are, um, they because Ark was in trouble, and they came in and rescued them. 
right? But because of that, they actually own the right to the IP, so they can do anything they want with ARC. Also, ARC Park came out today, which is uh, a VR-only thing, but I've not heard a single good word about that. And it's also the same developers. What's it, call- what's it called? ARC Park? ARC. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a it's basically a, a VR theme park where you walk around in art. What? Yeah, it's one what? of those like, hey man, we made a VR game, give us money. Come you on, what to do with it. That sounds. Right, so it's like, are you bored with that vibe yet? Give us thirty bucks. Come on. Oh <laughs> God. But like everything VR, it's a theme park experience. Yeah. It's well. not a a game. Right, because that's the only that's the problem with VR is nobody has figured out how to do anything sustainably interesting with it. Uh, well, I guess except for like maybe Elite, people well, love yeah, that like game. Things that are traditional that yeah. for a thousand years we were like, my God, if I had a VR headset to play this flight sim, well, yeah, yeah, that stuff shockingly works. But that's really the only thing it's good for, which is fine with me because that's what I'm into. But you know, right. but it's like MechWarrior Online still does not support VR. Huh. Still doesn't. Why? That oh my God, this like, would be great for that. that. Seems I would obvious. love to be able to look around. Like, seems- let me aim by looking, because I could do that. I could look the crosshair around the screen. That seems nope. really obvious. Yeah, and it's just like, nope. So, okay, I guess. I mean, you, you can <sighs> get it to play in VR, but they didn't do the Z order of the graphics, right? So the, the crosshair oh. doesn't actually sit where it ought to be it's it's weird it's like the crosshair is a mile away and mm. some of the interface elements are too close and it's 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 jank it's not good but oh. but they could probably take an afternoon and fix that shit if they cared but I, they don't it's probably it longer than an afternoon money. come on it's well, probably but, longer but than still, that right yeah but it but it's like a no. thing like they, they could do it Hopefully but there's no incentive because nobody's gonna buy it anymore because of that so mm. you know hey but maybe a mech warrior five I have to say, uh, if I'm answering that question, developers or um, users, I'm super biased, and I think users do more damage to this industry than the developers. Honestly, by far. Well, honestly, honestly, by far, they have to they have to follow the like. You know, these developers are going with like, well, we're going to set these trends and. Yeah, but well, like consumers are going to buy it, then they're just going to make it. I, yeah, but the industry I'm, is showing us with the whole Fortnite thing that if you want to survive, right, like the Cliffy B thing, it's like, hey man, we're we're screwed. We threw a bunch of money down a hole. Um, we're never going to recoup that money, and we're going to have to shut this thing down because it costs money to even run the server. So what do we do? I don't know. What can we do? We got to keep lights on. Quick, make a battle royale game because that's guaranteed. We'll sell something. And that's what they're doing. So it's a knee-jerk thing. But you can see it's like, you know, it's like we we have to milk this because this is our only option or the lights go out. And and he's also on Twitter telling Epic to quit poaching his people, which I think is funny. <laughs> but but I, I, my, my, uh, my opinion comes from how salty I still am about flight sims. It almost comes entirely from that because users ruined that genre. I think just ruined it. The, the rivet counters, you mean? Yes, yes, they've they've just ruined it. Well, because I mean, they kept putting the carrot on the stick for the developers, right? It's like this would be even better if it had yeah. these things, and oh, if it had those things. But then, but, but then they put in those things, and then they put in those things, and it's not exactly right, so they get all mad. 
Right. And then the genre well, died off because it was too complicated for the average person to approach. Well, yeah, it wasn't and, just too, it wasn't necessarily the too complicated thing. This is this is I mean, we could part of it going on for hours, but like you 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 follow it back to a good period of time and this is when like the era of the Xbox 360 and the PS3 kind of like took over and you had you had the console like domination for a solid period of time in the early 2000s through, you know, I guess I want to say maybe 2010 ish. And then things started to slowly like lean back. And it's not been within like the last maybe five to six years that PC gaming has definitely made like a huge comeback. But like, you know, there was just a period of time where it was just, you know, everything. Like I even went to more of an Xbox 360 mode than PC most of the time, unless I was playing Eve. (laughs) But like, you know, so. Right. So it's not just it's not just like the complexity of the thing. Like the consoles definitely shifted the focus. Yeah. And I, well, think, I think that mainstream. Oh, I shift I agree with that. Contributed to what we're yeah. like dealing with even to today. Yeah, I totally agree that consoles well, had a a, uh, a they were a factor in in the downfall of genres like flight sims and space sims. But um, yeah, it's just fans especially today it seems maybe it's because i'm just an old man just are so entitled and whiny (laughs) and needy and i i don't see how anyone would ever want to be a developer to deal with the toxicity that can come out of some of these people it's just what (laughs) nothing what now, I actually think there is another answer to this, another okay. factor that we haven't really mentioned yet. Shareholders. Because oh, fuck those guys. Fuck them all. Ex- fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck them. Sorry. I, they they oh. have done more damage. They have done more damage than... than oh, if you're throwing them into... Devs or... Oh, yeah. Okay, if you're throwing them... Dude. If you're throwing them into the mix, absolutely. fucking lootly And I'm sorry I'm cursing, but shareholders... Well, just but that's, that's uh, the needs of the business part. I just don't call it shareholders, but the business has a fiduciary responsibility to the business to maximize the amount of profit in any way possible. And if if they have to like put a hundred kittens in a burlap sack and throw it off a bridge to make more money, they're going to do it, and they're not going to feel bad about it. Uh, you know that's business. So. Mm. I, I think you're going to get what you're going to get, and business will always sink to the very limit of tolerance as long as reputation of the business is not a driving factor in money. Mm. But that's what I was saying. Like with developers, like if you want us to trust you, you better have a good reputation on your company. But the thing that I yeah. see that's going on with Steam is all the people that are making games of ill repute is is like, here's a game, I'm shoveling it out, and you never see that company make another thing because they change names and put another game out because yep. they want to be anonymous. Right? Fo- yeah, so- folks, uh, follow Sentinels of the Store, the curator Sentinels of the Store. They point, they try to point out exactly when that's happening with games, and they're fantastic. And and they will really point out, oh, this guy made three games and then changed his name and made three more ninety nine cent games with a thousand uh, achievements. <laughs> That's a, there is one developer who makes games that have five thousand achievements. Yeah, which is the limit, which is Steam's limit. 
And yeah, that's what they do. And and they're putting out sometimes two to three games at a time. Oh, for God's sake! And they're all yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, and they have a bundle of over a hundred thousand. It's like one hundred thirty-two thousand at this point achievements. In- <laughs> That's the point where you're playing Steam the game. Yeah, yeah you're like, not playing. I'm leveling it, but... up my Steam character, which I really hate that I have to do. But I have actually spent money to do that by trading cards and stuff. It's so frustrating, but I've actually done that because <laughs> it's like my friends list is full. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's kind of wrap it up there. I think. <laughs> That's a good spot. That's a good spot to wrap it up. So, friends, we covered a lot in that episode, though, you guys. That was a good episode. Good, good, good idea for a topic, Hunter. Um, so, folks, uh, you've been, if longtime listeners to this podcast might recall way back in the day, and if we do the Wayne's World, you know, um, go all the way back to episode two, <laughs> where it was just Jim and I. We didn't do this live, uh, but we talked about music. We talked about um, uh, some of our favorite music in space games, and we covered a lot. So uh, Spaz came up with the idea that we should revisit that topic, because it's been five years? Oh my god, it's been five years. Six years? Something like that. No, it's been about five years. It's been a period of time. Yeah, I think it was 2013 that we did that show. So it's been about five years. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so, folks, next week we are going to talk about the music of space games. Our favorites, which we think are the best. Uh, Wink, MechWarrior 2 is not a space game. It is one of the finest PC gaming soundtracks ever, but it is not a space game. <laughs> Just FYI. And that was 94, I believe. Or was it 95. Or was NetMech 95? So are we going to drag Joe into this? <laughs> I We could try. Um, rolling, bro. It's true. It's true. So next week, folks, we are going to talk uh, space game music. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun because um, music is one of the best things about games. So, sometimes the music is better than the game. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I got a few of those on my list. Give me one. Give me one. Let's tease them. Into the Breach. Oh, I agree. No, sorry, not Into the Breach. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. Into the Stars. Into the Breach, I actually... Into the Breach is a wonderful game, and Ben Prunty does a great job with that soundtrack. No, I actually kind of agree... Into the Stars. I actually kind of agree with you, though. I like Into the Breach, but I love its soundtrack. So I kind of agree. I kind of like, even well, though you, not to say that into the breach is bad. Sorry. No, no, I'm not saying into the breach is bad. I'm saying, I think this, I think but I enjoy the sound. Is stellar. I think I enjoy the soundtrack more than the actual game. <laughs> so yes, we're going to talk about uh gaming music next week. Uh, one of our favorite topics, which we haven't talked about in a long time. And uh, Thursday, we are returning to borderlands Two, uh, our monthly long-term game that we're going to be playing. Uh, well into the next decade at this point. <laughs> so uh, join us as we do some four-player co-op of that. That's always a good time. And then what's the board game we're playing after that? The Captain is Dead. That's in two weeks. Yep. 
Yep. Oh, it's next that's week. That's next Great week. Game. Great, so, great game. So, yeah. So, yeah, this this Thursday is Borderlands 2. The next Tuesday is the music show. And then next Thursday is The Captain is Dead. So that's is it kind of spoiler to, like, tell everybody The Captain's Dead, like, right th- up front? I think you you know where you stand. Like in the very beginning, yeah. I think you just know where you know where you stand right right from the get go. Oh, the so they could have called it. They could have called it "fucked in space." Uh, I don't know if that would have had the same weight as "oh god, the captain is dead." Like I think that's a much more weighty sentence than "we're fucked." That, that's true. You know, we're fucked in space, <sighs> and that could mean multiple things. As well, that's true. Um, <laughs> that's true. Depending on what website you want. The, the captain is dead. That's there's only one meaning to that, really. You know. Um, so yeah, folks, we have a lot coming up. So thank you for watching to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on around here. We love you. We love you very much. And uh, and uh, we're, we're working to make Patreon better. I've been super busy, but I have we have ideas. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Bye-bye.